simple steps to faith walk. Many people believe that being saved means that you have to give up everything you think is fun or that your life has to change overnight. Our faith walk is a journey that begins with a simple step. A personal journey to the best love affair you will ever experience. A love affair that focuses on relationship, not rules or criticisms. I want to break down this love affair through applying biblical principles in a practical way. So I invite you to take this walk with me and share it with anyone you want to experience a selfless, active, unconditional love. Join me in unlocking the simple steps. Pastor Christopher Morgan. Pastor Christopher Morgan graduated from Oral Roberts University with a bachelor's in business administration in 1996 and later went back to ORU to complete a master's in divinity. He then went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where he was mentored by Bishop Joseph Garlington. Pastor Chris served under Bishop Garlington for the next few years at Covenant Church of Pittsburgh as their young adults pastor and director of Bishop Garlington's Urban School of Ministry. With the blessing of Bishop Garlington and his father, Bishop Peter Morgan, Pastor Chris moved back to his hometown of Kingston, Jamaica in 2010. He founded the Go For God Family Church. Then he got married to the amazing Marsha Morgan and they now have two beautiful daughters, Amara and Malia Morgan. Pastor Chris also serves as a chaplain for one of the, the teachers' colleges in Jamaica, Shortwood Teachers College. And he's very passionate about pursuing the presence of God and empowering leaders to go for God. I have asked my pastor, Pastor Christopher Morgan, to take this journey with me because we wanted to help people to understand that it's all about relationship. And so today I welcome Pastor Christopher Morgan as my resident guest for the next 12 or so, maybe 11 episodes. So thank you and welcome, Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris, welcome. And first of all, let me just say thank you. Thank you for always, always saying yes. Mm -hmm. Well, it's an honor to be here and a joy. So PC, yeah. in Jamaica, we have a saying that Pastor Pitney is the worst Pitney. Is that possible <laughs> to you? Oh boy. Wow. Well, you know, I know a lot of pastor picnics. I know a lot of um, pastors' children. I know a lot of persons that their parents are pastors. And unfortunately, um, I found that it is mostly true. Um, in my life, in my, my little family, you know, uh, my sister was a good girl. So I'll give her that. But her name was, is Catherine. So. Her name is Catherine. <laughs> right? And, you know, but not all Catherines are good, by the way. But anyway. Catherine means PC. It means pure. It means pure. It means pure. But they always come around to it, so that's great. But 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 that is me and my two brothers. It's Colin, the older one, Peter, Carrington, um, and then me. And I would say, you know, we had a lot of expectations. You know, people there was a lot expected of us, and that's part of the challenge for pastor picnic, pastors, kids. Yeah, we grew up with this expectation that we're going to be holy, and we must know every scripture, and we must do this, and we must be good, and we must we must be a pastor, we must be a preacher, and everything. Um, so. But we really failed everybody's expectations. You know, and we, we got kind of, we went off. You know, growing up in Jamaica, you know, I would just say, we grew up in a church, but we grew up in Jamaica. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I think a lot of young men growing up, in, boys and men growing up in Jamaica, we went off. And, you know, instead of 
chasing God. You know, we, we were chasing girls and we were chasing popularity and we're chasing all of these kinds of things. So us, and I'll talk for myself now, we as pastors, kids went really, we went really, really bad. Uh, you know, and we just, we were not, we were more concerned with what was out there than what was in church. So we were, we used to go road, we used to go out. I mean, we were going out, going out, going out from a young age. Every chance we can get with Tifa and go out, you know, from the barbecues to the sweet 16s, to the house parties and the sessions and then the club and, and then we take it to foreign and then we're in the, we're in the foreign clubs and then the, the you know, all, all these kind of things. We, we, we really did it. Um, and we did it and we did it hard and we did it big. So we were, we were trying to be as bad as we could be and we, did, we were good at it. I don't like to celebrate it at all, um, but I guess a big part of the testimony is we did kind of go off to the, that side and really got involved in all of the, the, the going out and the flexing and the, the, the womanizing and the drinking and the smoking. And the pastor picked me bad, the bad, uh, you know, it, it, it really got bad. And the one thing I'll say about the bad um, that took over is that from, from a young age, fighting to be bad, and really what we wanted to be was free to be bad and to live this music video life. Back in them days, is Satellite Dish and MTV and then BET. And all of what we saw in MT, on MTV, and B, we were trying to live this music video life and uh, wanted to be free to do all of that. And so a lot of the things that we fought to be free to do, the smoking, the holy pot smoking and the drinking, the, you know, I, for myself and I know a lot of persons that I was hanging out with, we got, in, we got addicted. And I, you know, I always say, boy, you know, all the things I fought to be free to do, they started to enslave me. Because I, I remember realizing that I couldn't stop doing it. I just couldn't stop. So I used, to, I used to fight to be free to smoke, fight to be free to drink because I was big enough and nobody can tell me nothing now. Then I couldn't stop drinking. Then I couldn't stop smoking. And then even if I have a, even if I'm with a woman I love, a girl I love, I'm my wifey, I still want more. And you know, all of these insatiable appetites. And, and it really got crazy. And um, I, I got enslaved um, by the things that I was fighting to do. So it's a really sad story, that part of my story was a lot of excitement, but in the end, I believe I lost a lot um, because of what I chased after at a young age. What point do you think was your turning point? Because we're uh, in church all this time, I mean. Well, we used to go to church mm -hmm. because there were girls at church, you know. Sure. And we used to go to church. When we were growing up, we had a very vibrant youth group and, you know, stuff like that. And but some of us, like you, I remember from your testimony, like at Moreland's camp, and that's where every, there was a lot of excitement in the Christian circles too. Um, but, but when did I know? Um, a, a part of knowing for me, like when did I turn and when did I know I was to turn? There's something, there's two things I knew first. One is that I knew that living this life and doing this stuff over and over and over, I knew that I was not being satisfied because I was unhappy. So it's like, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over, the same kind of get dressed, spray on the cologne, look good, buy your cigarettes, buy your weed, buy your this, go out, have fun, do this, you know, new girls, new this, new fun, new that, another night, a lot more, a new weekend out in, in, in Ocha, a new weekend in the grill, a new set of this, it was over and over and over and over, and I felt what I began to know, so when did I know, I, I knew 
that this wasn't going to get any better. It was the same thing over and over. And I started to realize that uh, what the music video life was offering me, um, what the devil was offering me then, was a lie. And it wasn't really ever going to satisfy. So I knew that. It's like I was going in a cycle. Another thing I knew, you know, coming into my, in, into my 20s and going up now, having a lot of experience of doing stupid stuff and doing whatever I wanted, I knew that I had no meaning. I knew I had no meaning. I knew I was empty. Yeah. Because a lot of the drinking and the smoking and the, the hanging out and the, the excursions, you know, and the events and the weekends and the, these, all of these type of things that we got caught up doing, uh, there was no real meaning in it. There was no purpose in it, you know, beyond doing something that made you feel good. Um, right. There was just no meaning. And I started to feel as a man, why am I here? You know, and I, I just remember these moments where I, I would go to bed at night, looking up in the ceiling, crying out and saying, you know, is this all there is to life? You know, you know, even after some successful nights of going out and having fun and come back and you, I, I used to, I used to cry myself to sleep. I can't, you know, I used to cry myself to sleep, you know, uh, you know, shallow relationships, you know, shallow events, spending my money on shallow things uh, and nothing satisfied. And so when did I know? I knew first that, you know, I was living this lie and I was empty and then I was dry and I didn't know who I was. So to answer your question, uh, I ran away. What, what happened was I ran away from Jamaica. It's like I was so, so tired of it, the cycle. And I left my friends, left my good, good girlfriend. I left everybody. And I went abroad and I said, I have to start praying and read my Bible and try and find God. If I had stayed here, Catherine, <laughs> I wasn't really going as deep because there's too much to do here in Jamaica. So I went somewhere in foreign. And I, and I, and I, foreign for those of you that don't know is America. <laughs> in foreign in America. So I went to America, right? And I, I, I went back to my old college, old university, old Roberts University. And I was there. And honestly, we were, we were there. It was the first couple of days of school. So we we're there to find new girls and to find new people. And just, we're still doing foolishness. Oh, so this is when you went back to the masters. No, not yet. Okay. But this is exactly what's about to happen. So this is days before I decided to do my master's. I was there not thinking about doing my, doing my master's. And I'm there looking for Omar, looking for, looking for excitement and trouble. And, uh, and basically in that moment, uh, as an empty person, a man without meaning, you know, I was distracted. There were a lot of girls around, a lot of my Jamaican crew in firing up there. And then God spoke to me and God said, go into that room. Because what I saw it said was, um, you know, it was graduate school ad ad admissions registrar or something like that. Go into that room, apply to your master's in some kind of theology. I didn't know what it was called at the time. But you're going to go in there. You're, go you're going to be accepted. And you're going to do your master's. And you're going to be a preacher and become a pastor. And it was the far furthest thing from my mind, but I heard it. And then I said, um, I, don't, I don't know how it's going to happen, but, but, but I, I saw all the pictures that my, my future ran before me. I saw myself on stage, Catherine. I saw myself preaching to people. I saw myself counseling people. I saw myself helping people, loving on people. And, and, I, and I obeyed, and I went into the room. And three days later, I was in, I was in, my, in a class, signed up, doing my master's in divinity so how did i know i heard a voice 
Wow. You know, and, and I followed that voice. I followed that voice. I don't think I would have heard the voice if I wasn't utterly dissatisfied with the, way the same. I think the voice was probably telling me the whole time. But I got to a place, Catherine, where I just couldn't, I couldn't live that life anymore. And God spoke to me and I responded. Yeah. Wow. I think a lot of us go through that period where we hear the voice and, Mm -hmm. you know, you say, I hear you, but I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or like you said, you're so, we're so busy caught up in our routine of what we're accustomed to that we don't hear it. We hear it, but we're not really paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So you went back to the Masters in Divinity. So the first time that you went to Oral Roberts University, you did your bachelor's in business. Yeah. Why yeah. did you choose to go to Oral Roberts University? I mean, most people, when they think about going away for university, Oral Roberts is not really oh, the Florida, first I'm DC. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, well, we went there. Um, my sister got a scholarship to Oral Roberts University, you know, um, so she got this full scholarship to go. Uh, we went up to visit her. While we were visiting, my, my older brother, Colin, just graduated from JC. And he was like, I, I want to stay. So then Colin just stayed, did a, another year of high school. Then he went to, to, to ORU right after. And then we were just in Jamaica. And mommy and daddy said, well, um, you know, Chrissy and Peter, you guys wanted us to go up there too. Uh, so, you know, my mother, my mother is a, was a college professor, a college teacher down here and everything. So she went, she uh, went to work at Oral Roberts University and all four of us went to ORU, you know. So Peter, me and Peter did a, a year of high school and then we went to college. So all of us at ORU at the same time, all of us going for free. So, I mean, can you imagine? It's a beautiful thing. Four, four children going to school for free. Um, it, it, it was a big, big blessing. Absolutely. So it didn't compare to being in school where all of our friends were, but it was free. Yes. And of course, it was a very good school. And there were, a lot, there were a bunch of Jamaicans up there, so we were able to have enough fun. I, I never thought, of, I mean, every time I heard Oral Roberts University, I never would have thought about it for conventional classes. I always connected it to theology. or oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, they have, they, they have everything there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So... You're in university now. You did your master's in divinity. And what happened after that? I went to, uh, the, the day after I graduated, I, the day after graduation of the master's, I drove up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to be with my pastor at the time, you know. And um, it was just amazing. You know, you know, he said, come up and see if you can work, see if you can get a job up here. And so I went to be with him because, you know, just the way that he preached, you know, who he was, just a very real preacher, very funny. Um, you know, he made God so real to me. And I said, I want to be like that. I, I, I can't deal with another fake thing. I don't want no fake church, fake Christianity. Might as well go to some. So I was chasing after the real. And he said, come, come work for me. So it was, it's a big church up in, in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, Covenant Church of Pittsburgh. So I went up there, drove up there and started working with him. And then I was there. For, for five years as a young adult pastor and the, the pastor, and I did the Bible school as well. So you're the young adult pastor at Covenant Church of Pittsburgh, which is a huge mega church. I mean, Bishop Joseph Garlington is a household name for anybody that is really in church. You've heard of Bishop Garlington. That's where I met your pastor at the time, Bishop Sweeney. Bishop Sweeney. <laughs> I love Bishop Sweeney. 
yeah. to Bishop Darlington. They came to Jamaica together. Garlington and Swilly were, were all in Jamaica. So that's our connection, our first connection. So, I mean, at the end of the day, most pastors work to be in a mega church. At the end of the day, you feel like you're in a mega church, you're leading a, a youth ministry, you're there for five years, you're comfortable, you're settled. Hmm. What in God's name were you thinking? Well, you see, I, I had been, so, so like after about three years, you know, after about four years of, of giving myself to ministry, you know, I had a lot of TV and dreams. You know, I thought I'll go up there and I'll start preaching and I'll be this, the young Jamaican guy that boss and I'm under. But God really did a, a, a work in me. You know, he made me fall in love with pastoring and fall in love with preaching. And where I was and where my heart was, I was saying, God, wherever you want me to go, anywhere you want me to go. So at that time, it, was, it wasn't just the mega church thing drawing me. Picture this. I mean, Catherine, I could have gone anywhere. You know, I could have gone to any church. You know, Garlington had all the links. I could have come down and said, Swilly, let me work for you in Florida. I could have gone and been. Um, so I could have gone anywhere. And I wanted to go somewhere where there were Caribbean people. So I thought it would be New York, Atlanta, so, you know, South Florida. That's, that's where my heart was, where Jamaicans and Trinidadians and, and so forth. So I would have gone anywhere. And then this man, this prophet, comes to the church now. Uh, and this is a guy that has a really large church in New Jersey. And I'm on stage and I'm, I'm working. So he's ministering to people and I'm a pastor on staff. So I'm helping pray for people and I'm, I'm working. Uh, then he's not supposed to be talking to me, but then he calls me out. And he says, you young man, you know, and he just starts to talk my business in front of the church. It's time for you to go home. Go home to where you come from. You've, you've gotten everything you came for. And then say, basically, it's time for you to go home. What I had. So I was open to, to going anywhere. I was living the life, Catherine. I was I was young adult pastor and I, I, could, I could travel two weekends out of the, 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 the month and I was going to all these other churches and preach. It's like one preach and come back, preach and come back. And it's a nice little life, you know? You jump on a plane and you go and you preach and you... Um, and for him to say, come back home where it's not so pretty and there's no guarantee in Jamaica that it's going to be so nice. Um, it was a big decision to make, but God talked loud and clear. And it was either, I was, I was either going to listen to the prophet uh, or come home. There was a big part of me that wanted to come home. You know what I mean? Um, so it connected, his work connected with the hardest thing there was to do. But it was the thing that, um, I guess, I was obedient to it. And I took a, a year to prepare for and then I came home. Wow. All right. So one year later, you're in Jamaica. And then? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, again, I left everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I left everything. No, I didn't, I, I didn't have no woman up there. Because at the time, I was single as ever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what I did in that year of preparation is I found a Jamaican girl. Right. Because I was, I was coming home. I was coming home about like every month. As I'm planning to move home, I came home every month and um, met a girl. I met my now wife, Marsha, Marsha Gay, Marsha Gay Reed at the time, country girl. <laughs> I met her. So I came home to having that, that solid relationship really, really helped. Because Jamaica is a full of, it's, it's full of women, a sea of eligible, beautiful women. So I had my girl and I had the vision and I had the mission 
And um, I had everything written down. I had the name of the church, the movement. I had everything I'm doing now. I saw that I was to do because I sat and listened down to where the church is. God told me where it was going to be. A place that I never know existed. You know what I mean? And um, so I downloaded everything. And so when I came home, I was ready for everything. And uh, took about three months to get documented. And then we started the church in March of 2009. And yeah. I think people need to understand what you mean when you say you started a church. Because probably, you know, they're in their mind, your parents. So Bishop Peter Morgan and Dr. Patricia Morgan are pillars in the church community, not just in Jamaica, but all throughout the Caribbean and all throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And so you have these powerhouse parents that already created their churches in Jamaica and created several movements, um, you know, teaching and preaching all over the world. And you come back to Jamaica, one would think that, well, maybe you could just inherit their church or oh, you pick up. Right. Well, you know, so when, when you say that you started your church, can you paint the picture of what that actually looks like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I... When I came home, it was a little bit of a plan. My, my brother, Carrington, he he's did and still does a lot of ministry downtown. Carrington Morgan, does, you know, with City Life Ministries, does a lot of ministry downtown. And there's a group of persons that did ministry with him downtown. And uh, they used to have a church. They were, you know, um, Kingston City Church at the time. Uh, but in my planning to come home, you know, my brother Carrington said, well, we are more of a outreach ministry then we are a church and I don't he just wanted to go road to the people them and pray for people and help the poor and, and so forth I mean all of the, the the things that we do for church so he said when you come home let's start with my people so I came home and that January to March time to get to answer your question now was you know taking on about 15 of his people that were really a ministry team and adding some people, I, can't, I don't know if I can call their names, but adding the Leighton Davises and adding some people that were, that, that, some friends of mine that were turning to God, right? So I added, I added about 15, right, people uh, to that group. And so we had about 30 people, you know, and w- with just 30 people. So, you know, what I inherited from City Life was just a wonderful set of persons that loved God, um, two speaker box. Right, maybe one microphone that they used to use down there, like a little mixer board, right? And uh, but everything else was starting over from scratch. Where did he meet? And and we well, we met in the living room. I met with them in the living room, and then we did one month in the living room with me taking over. And then in April, we moved into Shortwood Teachers College in the auditorium, and that is where God told us to go to. And it, it was amazing because they just. So we went in there with 30 people, 34 people on the first Sunday. And the two little speaker box them. And I would sing some songs together. You know, we never had no keyboard, so we never had much. And then I preached a little message. And uh, I remember the next week, the second week was Easter. And then we had like 80 something people come because it was Easter. And, uh, you know, we thought, well, we're boss now, you know. But then we went the week after that, we went right back down. It was an Easter examine. But, but we really started with nothing, you know, Catherine. We started with just a, a, a handful of people. And uh, me and my girlfriend, you know, and some solid friends. Uh, and, you know, we just started. So my family was around. 
you know, mommy and daddy were living in Jamaica. Uh, both of my brothers were here. Uh, but the truth is, within that first year, every one of them left Jamaica. Yes. So, you know, my brother took this big job at a church up there. Carrington went to do his PhD. You know, mommy and daddy went to Trinidad to do stuff because my mother's Trinidadian. So they left. My sister and her husband migrated to, 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 to Canada. And I'm left with a, a nice small group of persons. All the rest of the Morgans, them gone. And a lot of hard work. It's, it's, it's hard work. So, you know, we would come in and set up church, you know, fix up the chairs and make everything. And then maybe I would lead in worship, sing with people. And then I would preach. And that is how we started. That and is how we started. How old is Go For God now? Go For God is 12 years uh, 12 years old right and now. Creation is how big. And uh, well, members, we have, we have right at about 200 members. Um, but our, our, our viewership online is a couple hundred, um, you know, and those that would come, you know, we're up to two services right before the coronavirus. Uh, so um, I would say the church right now is, uh, it's hard to say because most of it is online. I mean, you know, we can get up to a thousand views, two thousand views on Sunday. We can get five hundred. So uh, the views fluctuate, but in terms of the core, we're at about two hundred members and about I would say about five hundred strong persons that call themselves Go for Godders. And then you have all the other visitors that claim Go for God as their church. You know, so but things are really growing and things are going well. So mm -hmm. when I listen to you talk about your journey. I, what I take away from it is one, acknowledging that there is more and that there's greater than you and that, that we're each here for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And once we acknowledge that, being open to seeing and, and you know, finding out what that purpose is and that calling is for us. Mm -hmm. uh, I listen to you, I think about obedience because if you didn't respond to the call, and if you weren't obedient in going to, mm. uh, going to school or you weren't obedient in returning to Jamaica, uh, you wouldn't be where you are right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's very important that we need to be open. We do need to appreciate that there's more and that we were each created for a reason and for a purpose. And once we're open to that, then being obedient is probably the most important thing, Absolutely. you know, responding to that call. Mm -hmm. So, PC, what do you think are the things, the lessons, or the takeaways that you want people to get from coming on this journey with us, on this mm -hmm. podcast journey? Well, well, I think what is beating in your heart is beating in my heart as well. You know, the, we want to see persons come into a real, a, a very real relationship with God, first of all. Uh, the hope is that people will find God, you know, behind all of the religion, throwing out the religion, you know, putting tradition aside, uh, you know, and talking about the practical uh, faith issues. Um, answering, I want people to get, to find relationship with God, first of all. And then I believe we'll be able to lead people to a more purposeful, to more purposeful thought, to help them to find their purpose, you know, uh, I hope persons will, through this, see that it's, it's better to be connected to a church than to not be connected to a church. But I think the thing that's going to help them most as they get relationship and purpose and 
you know, we push them to getting involved in it. It's the practical side of things. I think people, people want to hear uh, practical answers to some of the questions that they have. I, I, I want people to take the journey I took. Too many questions. I had too many questions and not enough people that were real enough to answer them. You know, uh, there, there were persons that would push me off and say, you, you should just believe. Right. I stop asking so much question. And stop doubting this and stop asking this. And I believe what we're saying is, no, ask. <laughs> you know, uh, there is a practical, very real answer. Um, God has a very real answer to your question. You know, and I hope that, you know, we do help people make simple steps and not these complicated religious steps that they think they need to make. You know, uh, I would encourage people to take the journey with Catherine Goodall because um, I've seen her on a journey. And in that journey, she's always smiling. In that journey, she's working hard. In that journey, she's talking about God as much as she can. She's developing herself and she's trying to help people. And um, I think that's what they're going to get. They're going to get something very real and something non-religious, you know, for their next simple steps. Thank you, PC. So that's exactly it. We want people to understand that it's actually a journey and it's not an overnight process. Yeah. It does take intention and it does take active participation and action. Mm-hmm. And it really just takes a willing heart. Yeah. So that's yeah. the first place that we have to start. So thank you, everybody, for listening to us. And we look forward to you joining us next week. And Pastor Chris, thank you. And we'll see you next week. You're welcome. See you guys next week.